You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message. Great. Happy New Year, I guess I can still say that. Uh, I can report to you I've broken no New Year's resolutions because I didn't make any. So, life hack, if you don't make them, you can't, you can't mess it up. I'm going to go all year. I'm not going to break one of them, right? Uh, it's good to be with you. We're starting a new series today, and um, kind of the, if you want, the, uh, the, the, the grounding or the, the foundation of what this series is all about. Uh, it's found in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. And what he's saying is, like, once Jesus has moved on your heart, once he softened your heart and you respond with faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior, he's saying, from that moment on, then you continue to live your life in him. Okay, when around here we talk a lot about the goal for each and every one of us is to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Like that we would be fully committed to following after Jesus, imperfectly of course, but committed to following after him all the days of our lives, loving him more deeply, understanding him more fully. Like every single day we take a step towards him to be fully devoted. In Colossians chapter two, the rest of this, verse seven, it gives us a beautiful picture, I believe, of what this can look like in our lives. It goes on to say, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Our our, our picture of being fully devoted is that we would be rooted in Christ, that he would begin to build us up into the image that he wants us to be formed into, his own image, that he would strengthen us in that place to a point that we become overflowing in thanksgiving, overflowing in the goodness of God in our lives. Uh, Jesus tells us in John 10, he came so that we would have life and we would have it, King James, life abundantly, right? Or we would have it fully. This is the picture of a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And we're gonna take some time over the next few weeks to analyze this idea of being rooted in Christ because all of the other things, all the fun, cool things, right? Built up, strengthened, overflowing, all of those come from a foundation of being rooted in Christ. We have to be rooted first and then God begins to do all the other amazing things. Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. We're thankful that you're in this place right now. We're thankful you're speaking to our hearts. Uh, God, we want this to be the best year that we have seen but we know it's going to take uh, more of you in our lives. And that's all we want. We, We want to get out of the way. We want to remove any obstacles. God, we just want more of you. God, help us to be firmly planted and rooted in you and in you alone. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 13, if you have your Bibles this morning, verses six through nine is going to be our passage today. It says, then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. We're beginning a new year, and a lot of us will take this opportunity uh, to kind of hit the reset button, 
right? We begin to analyze our lives. We inventory our lives and we decide uh, what things need to stay, what things need to improve and what things need to go, right? We, we begin to look at it and see what, what is it matching up. It's like, I grew up playing video games, okay? I played a lot of video games growing up and uh, my son just started playing video games and it's kind of like a weird thing for me right now, to be honest with you. Like he's like talking about 2K to me, like I've never heard of it. Like I'm not that old son, okay? Like I, I played the game, you know, but you would be playing a season on a video game and you wanted your record to be unblemished, you know? You wanted no issues, you didn't want to have any, no losses. And so what would happen is you would get to a point in the game in a season and uh, the, it would be in question. You know, you're like last few seconds, like, I don't know if I'm going to win. And then by the good Lord's sovereignty, what would happen is you would trip and fall and hit the power button on the PlayStation, you know. And what would happen? It would shut down. And when you turned it back on, still undefeated, right? Still undefeated, hadn't lost a game. It was the Lord's will to do it that way. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what would happen. And a lot of times, that's what our years look like. We start a new year and it's like hitting that reset button and we're starting off fresh. And I think why this is such a good practice, not only to start a year, but as something that we should do as followers of Christ often throughout the year is that we should be taking inventory of what's going on. And I think we don't because a lot of times, as a pastor named Matt Chandler said, when we get quiet, we see who ourselves for who we really are and we don't like what we find. Like if I, if I slow down, I start to see the real things that are going on in my life and I don't often love to find them and they're not easy to deal with. And, but it's so important for us to take time and slow down and see what's really going on inside of our hearts. See what areas are not lining up to a standard that we set. How about even better? Things that aren't lining up to the standard that God has set. Maybe it's in our families. Maybe it's uh, in our marriages. Maybe it's a physical thing, a spiritual thing. Maybe it's in money or in our attitude. But there's something on the inside of us that's saying something needs to change. But I want to caution you as we start, and this is the most important thing I believe in the entire series, and it's this, is that uh, you cannot do this outside of God working inside of you. What I mean is that if you try to make some changes in your life uh, through strength and willpower and grit and determination, it'll get you to a certain point. But if you don't lean into God's word, if you don't lean into prayer with him, if you don't lean into a community of believers, what will happen is you'll make superficial corrections and not spiritual change. You're gonna change the outside but the inside isn't going to really be formed. The inside isn't really going to be changed into what God would have for you. You see this in life. When people are going through things, we may change cars and houses. We may change the furniture and the wardrobe, but it doesn't address our deepest needs and deepest issues that are going on inside of our lives. God deals with these things much differently than you and I would typically deal with them. You know, right now, like when you think about making changes, you know, productivity will be a buzzword for a while, right? Like in January, it's going to be, it's on podcasts, right? People are writing books about, you're getting on social media, seven ways to be more productive in 20, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, listen, I hit the save button, dude. I, it's cool. Like, I'm, they're good. They're well-intentioned. I think they're important to do. We, we may uh, set goals and resolutions and have like cool phrased motto t-shirts going on about the life we're going to live this year, right? But we always want to do things that are typically on the outside. And, and God says that for you to be truly fruitful in your life, I've got to address some things at the root of the issue. 
that the fruit of life is always determined by the roots of our lives. God always gets to the root. When we built this building, uh, we put all these like nice, you know, like the city makes you, but they're beautiful. It's like all this landscaping, right? Like it's in the front and down the side. Like, I don't even know, like the parking lot has like a side flower bed. I don't know why it's there, but I love it. It's pretty. It's on the road, these little islands. It was great. But what I noticed is that uh, not long after we started, like, you know, church in this building, like weeds started creeping up in these flower beds like crazy. Like, man, we just started. Like, come on, man. Like, I thought, you know, I thought we'd get a little reprieve from the weeds in the, in the flower beds, but no, it creeped up, you know? And so we try to deal with it our, the best we can, you know? We just like, we'd have people come out, we come out, pluck some weeds, and then, you know, a couple weeks later, guess what? Our friends are back, right? And there they are. And then even one time, Pastor Brandon, y'all don't know this, he came out, he, he, I don't know if this is a thing, okay? I, every time I say this, I feel a little bit more like he lied to me, okay? So I'm gonna tell you, he has a, like a weed-killing blowtorch, okay? Like, I'm not kidding, like flames out here. And if you ever go uh, like on this side of the front parking lot, you'll notice the shrubs are burnt about halfway up because Pastor Brandon's out there blowtorching weeds, okay? So there you go. Guess what? It did not solve the problem. I'm sure it was fun, uh, <laughs> but uh, I wish I had photo evidence of it. It did not solve the problem. After just a little bit, the weeds came back. And I think all of us, if your parents ever made you pick weeds out in the, in the garden, right, in the flower beds, you know the problem. Because you can't just remove a weed by taking out what you can see above the ground or above the mulch. What do you got to do? You got to get down in the roots of the weed. You know, you pick it up and you sprinkle dirt in your hair, right? Because it's like, it's so much in there. You just, you get all the way down the soil and you pick it up and you're dirty, you're nasty, but you know that you took care of the problem because you went down deep enough uh, to get the roots out. And, and I'm telling you, church, this year, if we, if we want to experience God in a, in a way like we haven't before, uh, we're going to have to be willing to allow God to deal with the roots that are in our soul. There's times when uh, I have said some things to my children that I wish I had never said to them, okay? Um, I could just gloss it over and buy them a new toy and say, hey, everything's okay. That's not dealing with the root of the issue. What it takes is I have to sit down with them. I have to then walk back through the really dumb thing that I just said and the hurtful thing that I said. I tell them why it's wrong and I ask for forgiveness and, and, I, and we walk through the process together and it's messy and it hurts and it's painful to relive, but it's dealing with the root of the issue so that that doesn't take hold of them inside. And then 20 years later, they're having to process it through, you know, some other means. You know what I'm saying? I, I, we got to do the dirty way. Maybe it's in your marriage, right? Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's, it, it's at work. We got to allow God to do some root work in our life, because if we really want to uh, be able to forgive people well this year, it's going to take some root work. Uh, it's going to take some root work for us to be able to overcome addiction in our lives. Like we're going to have to allow God to do some root work. Uh, hey, God is going to do some root work so that he can equip you and prepare you for the next season of your life that you may be walking into. Like he wants to do some really deep transformational change in your life to prepare you for everything that he has. So what is fruitfulness? Number, number one, let's, let's go back to our parable. Uh, number one, God expects me to be fruitful. He expects me to be fruitful. Luke chapter 13, verse six and seven, it says, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard and he went out to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. And so he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, uh, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it 
down. Listen, I read this. I'm sympathetic for the fig tree. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> like I'm, listen, he's trying. That's what I thought. That's my first thought when I read this. I'm like, dude, the fig tree is trying. All right, I know there's no fruit, but he's giving it his best shot at least, you know. He's giving some oxygen out, right? Like, he don't get credit for the oxygen that's coming out. Like, I, I want to be on behalf of the fig tree. But really, if we think about anything in life that is created, it, it has a purpose. It, we expect it to produce something, right? Like, this is an oversimplified example, but I'll give it to you. Uh, like a battery. You buy a battery, you expect it to output some power, and when it doesn't, what do you do with the battery? Well, you get rid of it, right? Like, that's what it is. Now, that's very oversimplified, and there's a lot more deeper meaning to this thing. But it's the truth is that when things are created, there's an expectation that they would produce something. And just like that, God created us. And there's an expectation that as we follow him, it will produce fruit in our lives. When we see the idea of a fig tree, uh, it has multiple meanings throughout scripture. One, one that we see and that you can directly relate to this passage would be the people of Israel. Um, the people of Israel uh, followed God, Saul. God worked miraculous things in front of their eyes, right? But it would take like half a second and then they're building their own gods and they're doing their own thing. They're rebelling against God, right? Like, so God comes back and he looks, he's like, there's no fruit here again. <laughs> Why is there no fruit? And it happened, if you read the Old Testament, over and over and over again. But we also see this can directly apply to our lives as well. Just as a tree should produce fruit, the follower of Jesus should also produce spiritual fruit in their lives. Let me, let me caution you real quick um, here. I do want to make a distinction that um, there, there's a certain order that this goes in for a reason. We're not, we're not talking about trying to do works that I can earn God's love, favor, and salvation from him. That's not what we're talking about. That's what the Pharisees tried to do. They thought they could earn God's love. We're talking about a fruit that is produced out of a relationship with God that overflows because of what he's doing on the inside of me. Uh, obviously, we're just coming out of Christmas. How many of you still have a Christmas tree up? Anybody? Listen, yeah, come on, be proud. Be proud, yeah, there we go, okay. I'm proud that mine's still up. Listen, Michael DeRossett gives me a hard time because I, just, I, I seriously think every year, am I gonna put up a Christmas tree, right? Like for most of y'all, it's like the Christmas tree goes up this day, right? And we can argue about when it goes up. The argument I, I always think is like, Am I even going to put one up, right? And all I do, I was telling somebody earlier, all I do is I put the three pieces together and then I sit back and watch it happen. You know, like Megan makes it all fluffy, kids put ornaments and it's done, right? But at least mine's still going strong. Michael's the day after Christmas, gone. Like it never existed, you know? Mine's still holding on strong. But every year when you go put the Christmas tree up, right? You do the lights, you get the lights out. Um, and what you'll find oftentimes is right, we plug them in and what happens? One of them jokers done gone out, right? Like somehow in the box, in the attic, a string of lights has, you know, miraculously died off. I'm like, what has happened? Nate Glasscock, he was helping us build this thing out front for Christmas and stuff. And uh, he was getting so frustrated because he would plug in lights and he's at the very end of this thing and they were just dead. Just one after another. And we had to like run to the store and go get more lights. Um, there's a, the reality is like when you plug in that light, you expect that thing to light up. And so... If you want to be fruitful, if you want to see fruit produced in your life, the, the illustration is the same. You have to be plugged into the right source. If you really want to produce spiritual lasting fruit that will remain, then you've got to be plugged into the right source. John chapter 15, verse 5 says, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. 
the last of seven I am statements. He says, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you want the, the old school? Abide. You want to abide in me and I in you. You will bear much fruit. Notice there's no gray area. It's, it's a certainty that comes from being plugged to the right source. Now, it looks differently for all of us. It comes in different seasons and times and length of time of waiting. And it happened. But we know when we're plugged into the right source, Jesus, he actually says earlier, I am the true vine, because there's a lot of other vines that will try to uh, get vie for your attention, of, uh, vie for your life, because they want to be able to be your source. He says, I'm the true vine. And when we're connected to him, there will be fruit. For the follower of Jesus, fruit should be something that is obvious, that it's visible, that God is working in my life. What does fruit look like? I want to give you three different ones. Um, the first one is there's the fruit of my life. Uh, this is who I am. This is the character, the kind of the, the what's at the core of my life. Think about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law, right? Because when you do those things, nobody's going to push back and be like, really? Gentle? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like nobody can argue with these things. That is what the fruit of my life should look like. It should embody these fruit of the spirit that when God is working in me, then those are the things that come out. Remember, we do these imperfectly, but this is the standard that we're striving for. There's, the second one will be the fruit of my labor, that when I'm connected to the vine, when I'm connected to God, it leads me to want to then go into action on the behalf of others. That I'm then moved away from my own self and I begin to serve God and other people around me. I believe that is something that is only found in a relationship with God. That people would be able to serve one another without any kind of motive or anything like that. It's that God creates our heart to be able to serve others because that's what his heart is like. And so there's fruit of my life. There's fruit of my labor. The third one is there's fruit of my lips. I begin to speak differently. I find it really interesting that a lot of times in the Old Testament, when somebody has an encounter with like the angel of the Lord, the first thing they become aware with is that their mouth is unclean and unholy. They're like freaking out about the things they said, you know? They're like, ooh, <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. You know, like I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips that when I'm connected to God, even the way that I talk to people, the way that I talk to my family, it becomes different. I say things differently. John chapter 15, verse eight, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When we think about producing fruit in our lives, it's never on our, for our own benefit. It's not for my gain. It's, it's not for my ambition. It's, it's not so that I can have like this trophy case of accolades, right? And medals and awards that I've won because of the things I did. No, no, no. John 15, 8 says, it's for my father's glory that I do all of this. Philippians 2, 3 reminds us of this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves. It's not about me, but let me tell you, church, there is something very holy and very special when we get godly ambition deep down in our hearts and we begin to carry it out in our lives. 
Like there's something special to be able to go out and to spread the gospel of Jesus, to take light into a dark world, to see God producing much fruit in our lives. It's beautiful when the people of God begin to get outside of themselves and this fruit of God produced in their lives. Number two, fruit is always the result of the root. We've already hinted at this a little bit. Fruit is always the result of the root. There was this time in Yosemite National Park uh, when the sequoia, there were some sequoia trees. They're massive trees. Uh, a few of them began to fall over, okay? And we're like 200 foot trees, you know, just massive trees, they fell over. And so they started to try to figure out, well, what's going on with these trees? And what they found was that because there was so much heavy foot traffic that the roots underneath the ground were being impacted and they were losing their kind of stability and structure. And some of these trees started falling over just by the sheer impact of all these people that were walking over it, right? The source of the problem, it wasn't above ground, it was below. Like it, everything on the outside looked fine, but there was actually something really bad going on underneath the soil that nobody could see because the roots are always the issues of the problem. That's, this, is why, um, this is why I have trouble with WebMD, okay? There, there's a difference between symptoms and a sickness. Did you know this? There's a difference, okay? Um, this, this is why, like for example, like when I go type Web, I go to WebMD, okay? I tell you all this time, I still go there, okay? And I start typing symptoms in. And they give me a whole host of things that it could be, uh, not limited to, but also including death, okay? Like it's always on the, I think it's like pre-programmed. The last one on the list is always that no matter what symptoms you plug into this thing, okay? That's just what it is. It's totally different when I go to my doctor. When I go to my doctor, he does, hey, what, hey, what kind of symptoms you got? I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I got these things. He's like, okay. But then he begins to ask questions. Well, what about this? What about that? Are you feeling this? He begins to ask questions because he doesn't want to just stay at the surface level. He wants to get down deep so that he can actually fix what's going on. So he doesn't want to address a, a whole slew of symptoms. He wants to address the sickness that is going on inside my body at that time. And so if we want to really address some of the symptoms that we see in our lives, we can't just address them on the outside, but we all have to go down deep into the roots and address what is really happening in our lives. Luke 13, 8 and 9, sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one year. And then we see he goes to work. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. The problem was visible in the tree, but the solution was in the dirt. The problem was visible in the tree. The solution was found in the dirt. God says there's no fruit without deep roots. And the word talks about this extensively. One, one in particular is this, Jeremiah 17, verse seven and eight. It said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. This is a beautiful picture of what we all want. And here's why. Because the pressures of life will begin to start to squeeze in on you. And if you don't have the right roots, then you're not gonna be able to withstand those pressures. Okay, and this gives us two different ones. The first one, it says, it does not fear when the heat comes, its leaves are always green, right? There's gonna be times when situations and circumstances are hard in your life. You being a follower of Jesus, it doesn't circumvent the hard times in life. I wish it was like a decision tree, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, do you follow Jesus? Yes, all right, skip all the way to the bottom, you're gonna have a good life. <laughs> but it's not like that. 
because we live in a broken world. We're all going to be times of hard times and situations and circumstances. But if I have the correct root system, I'm able to walk through them because I can trust in God no matter what I see in my day-to-day life on this earth. It goes on to say this, it has no worries in a year of drought. It never fails to bear fruit. There's going to be times when you feel like in this life, you don't have enough. Like a drought without water, you're going to be like, I don't have enough of what it's going to take to get through this. It could look a hundred different ways where you feel like you're coming up short, but it's all, I can tell you that throughout seasons of life, it's going to happen. And notice what it says. Even when there's a drought, if I have the right root system, I bear fruit. I still produce fruit. There's still godly things coming out of my life, even though I don't have enough, even though I'm going through hard, difficult times. Proverbs 12, three says, the righteous cannot be uprooted. Boy, you need to hold on to that one this year. If you're going through a hard time, Proverbs 12, three, the righteous cannot be uprooted. I love that so much. When things get hard, when things get lean, do you wilt? Do you fall away? Are you like the tumbleweed that's kind of being blown around? Or are you like the cactus? There's this one in particular that it can go months without water yet still produce fruit because its roots are 50 feet, up to 50 feet in diameter. It spreads out to try to find the water to be connected to the source and it can still bear fruit when things aren't going the way it should. Listen to me, church. These are not things that we can overcome on our own. It's not by our own strength. It's not by power or by might. I love that verse, but it's by the spirit of the living God. It's God at work in me to really deal. He's the only one who can change a heart. You can change outwardly stuff. God changes hearts. God does the heart work. Do you play a part? Absolutely. But who does the, God does the changing of the heart. It always starts in the roots. Number three, and this is the most important that I need you to understand today, because I know we, everybody in here walks in this room at a different place in your journey with God. You may be in here and you would say, man, I don't believe in God and I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> and you may be at the top of the mountain. You've followed him for years and years and years and your relationship was great. And then there's everything in between. Number three, God hasn't given up on you yet. God hasn't given up on you. It does not matter what, in what way you walked in this morning. God hasn't given up on you yet. Luke 13, eight, he said, sir, leave it alone one more year and I'll dig around and fertilize it. I love this story because it highlights, I mean, this thing has been planted, taken care of, year after year, it's not producing fruit. And he's like, let's give it more time. No better picture of the grace of God in our lives than this parable. That God is a God of second chances and third chances. I love in James chapter four, uh, he starts the, the verse, it's like a, Basically, it's like uh, you were in a WWE match getting manhandled, okay? Like, this is the best way. Like, you're just getting beat up, like, in the first five verses of this thing, okay? It's talking about sin nature. It's talking about why are you quarreling and fighting? It's because you follow your flesh and you're following the world, okay? This is like beating you up. Then it gets to verse six. And verse six starts this way. It says, but God has more grace. But God but God has more grace. It doesn't matter the the strength that the world and the flesh and your sinful nature has. God has 
more grace. And we all follow him imperfectly. And there's gonna be times when you mess up and we don't wanna stay there. Do we abuse God's grace? Absolutely not. Paul reminds us, don't keep on sinning just because God's gracious and it's in our life. We don't keep it there. But I do think we take advantage of it saying, God, you've given me another opportunity and I would be foolish to not take it in this moment. Like it would be a massive mistake to not take advantage of this opportunity that your grace has given me yet again. We know that this life is fleeting. As as my kids get older, I'm ever reminded of how fast our days go. But God's grace, he's saying, I'm giving you more time. See, God is patient, very unlike I'm patient. Megan, she'll be like, hey, I gotta run to Walmart. First question I always ask Megan, how long are you gonna be gone? (laughs) She says, 45 minutes. Number one, I know that's a lie right away. (laughs) Under an hour, I already know. Target, double it. If it's Target, double the time. She said 45 minutes. You know what I do? At 46 minutes, hey, where are you at? (laughs) What are you doing? Are you close? Got another 30 minutes. Say, I can't handle another 30. The house is burning down. I need your help. (laughs) You know, right? God's not patient like I'm patient. 2 Peter 3, 9. Listen to how patient God is. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with who? He's not patient with him, he's patient with us, with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. God is patient on your behalf. He's patient for my benefit. He's patient for your benefit because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. You may find yourself in here. You may not see fruit or maybe you've seen some bad fruit in your life. and You may wonder, where is God at in all of this? Well, let me tell you, he's like the guy in the, in the story. He's still digging. God's still digging. He's actually digging by using the Holy Spirit to convict your heart of the sin that's in your life. He he uses uh, Jesus who is on our behalf of his followers. He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. Uh, God uses other people in a community to be able to speak into some areas where maybe there's no fruit or maybe the fruit has gone bad. He uses other people to be able to speak into those areas of your life. He uses his word that cuts far deeper than anything else. It it cuts down to the very core of who we are, exposing what's really happening inside of our lives. You may not see him at work, but oh, is he working? He is working to bring you into the relationship with him that will bear much fruit in your life for his glory, other people in the kingdom of God. Every week uh, for this year is gonna be our goal to, to kind of give you a prayer and a, and a practice to take home. And, and as I was studying this week, I, I love that John 15 passage where Jesus says, I am the true vine. And so I wanna read this over you and then we're gonna pray. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, see, there's, a, there's another piece that we can't forget. <laughs> Abide in me, much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can't waste. What a vain pursuit it is to follow anything else that will always result in nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I really think our prayer should be this week. God, help me abide in you. Help me bear much fruit so that you can get the glory and I can show myself to be a disciple to the world who is around me. What a better way to start this year. Carve out some time as we're going into the season of prayer and fasting, it's in about a week. Carve out some time just to be devoted to following after God this week. Get in his word, allow it to speak to your heart, talk to him. God is not afraid of your really hard prayers. God wants to be in the really hard prayer. He wants you to bring those to him. He loves when you can come to them. If you have kids and they're going through a hard time, you love when they come to you because it's a sign of trust that they can bring it to you. If you are in a hard time, take that to him. He can handle it, I promise. And I believe through his word, he will show you a better way, a different way of following after him.